1: Harvey Weinstein's a very complicated character Was a very large part of my life He was my boss for a long time And uh, I worked for him for a long time And then I also made a lot of movies with him That he financed And I always knew he had demons you know, he's, I always knew and saw That he was you know, quite capable of quite dastardly deeds um, Just in general kind of business Um, acumen and knew that, um, you know, he was a very rough customer, but I now come to know that I, you know, didn't know the half of it. And that's a very, uh, very troubling thing to know that someone that you were around this much was capable of, you know, causing a lot of damage. I didn't know the half of it.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for everything. You guys are amazing. The response, so great. I'm so, so unbelievably grateful to all of you. You are incredible. Your messages, how you pass the podcast along to everybody. It's truly humbling. Thank you. And before I get started with episode number two of Richard Gladstein, I just want to let you know if you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Instagram or Twitter or at BarryKatz.com. On any social media platforms, just follow me and I would be glad to get back to you as soon as Possible, And I just want to let you know that I just recently got the call from the New York Comedy Festival that I will be bringing this podcast, Industry Standard, to The Stand in downtown New York City on Wednesday, November 6th at 7 p.m. You can get tickets at the New York Comedy Festival website or The Stand website. And I'd love to see you down there got a really great special guest that I'm going to announce soon, and I'd really love you to make it. And when I think about Richard Gladstein, I think about patterns and how patterns, when you look at them, they truly say it all. I think Bill Parcells in the NFL once said, your record is who you are. It doesn't matter. If you lost the game, you lost the game. If you won, you won. And that's your record doesn't matter if something happened or it was a fluke. Your record is your record. And when it comes to Richard Gladstein, let's take an analysis of three things. Number one, do geniuses want to work with you? Well, Quentin Tarantino decided to work with him four times, four times. And the films that he worked with him on were great films. Reservoir Dogs, The Hateful Eight, jackie brown and pulp fiction i think that says it all if a genius wants to work with you again and again and again and again it lets you know that you're doing something right and you know how to make that person feel safe number two recognition from your peers richard gladstein's films have received 25 academy award nominations and one five think about that the guy's been associated with films that have gotten those kind of accolades whether he worked as an executive or an executive producer of the company or if it was at his own company film colony the bottom line is again his peers not once not twice not three times multiple times his peers recognized him or his films 25 academy award nominations for films that he was associated with five of those won an academy award financial success through your hard work and through what you bet on and the bold moves you make in your career the total accumulated worldwide theatrical box office receipts of all of the films that richard gladstein has been associated with are over one billion dollars again, not once, not twice, but multiple times, his movies or movies that he's been associated with have made over $100 million and combined $1 billion. Take those three things and add the fact that this guy is an incredible philanthropist and gives back to some great, great charities that help people across the world. And I'm telling you, if you can figure out how to get geniuses to work with you multiple times, if you can figure out how to do the kind of work that your peers recognize over and over again. And then if you can convert that hard work and relationships into financial gain. And if you take the time to give back to your community or to charities that mean something to you in the world, I can pretty much guarantee you that you'll have the possibility of the kind of career that Richard Gladstein has.
1: Barry Katz, back in the house, house, house. Let's do this.
0: Did you watch films when you were a kid that inspired you? Was there a television series that you loved? Did your father bring you to the old dollar movie theater and say, hey, let's
1: watch this together? I think when I was in my junior year, I kind of had to declare a major. um, And I declared communications without great clarity of what that meant or where I was going. Um, and as I began to go through that, I I found my way towards film school. And I always had a great affection for films. I did never thought of it as a career. I never thought that I could make that choice. For some reason, I didn't feel that that was... I didn't even know you could study that, really. I didn't know that you could sort of make that choice in a way. And as I made that choice, it was because I had an affection for it and an interest in it. It wasn't throw a dart at a board, but it was close. Um, and through that process, I think the the studying of story and storytelling um, was really appealing to me. So the thing that i love about movies and why i went into it was i like theme and character plot is not that important to me so when you watch a movie like um to kill a mockingbird and it asks the question of you know if you put yourself into these person's shoes what would you do Um, and it asks the question of you know as they talk about you know why would anyone harm a mockingbird when a mockingbird does nothing but bring goodness i how could you put boo radley through a trial when he he will not be able to go through that and a, a better version of justice is to just create an alternative tale and let that be you know that's the morality of the movie that concept of sort of telling a story that has a moral, um, a certain morality and lesson of what characters go through to is what is appealing to me. The plot you can invent. I feel you can invent any plot you want to service a theme or character. So that's what I'm driven towards. So some of the movies that I've made, um, Are heavy thematically I think so um, a movie like um, the cider house rules asks the audience a question or a series of questions Uh, you know whose rules are you gonna choose to live by is what the cider house rules is about where do you belong in the world um And as you travel through, are you going to create the own the rules for yourself or are you going to abide by someone else's rules and that then comes down to questions of abortion and uh various other events and incidents and similarly the the or you know the the born identity asks you know he, he the movie asks you you know as Jason Bourne, am I a good guy or a bad guy? That's the whole movie. Oh, should I work for the government? I must be a good guy. Oh, should I work for the government and I'm a bad guy? That's the whole movie. Every scene is that. So that question, which every good movie asks a question and a great movie answers it in an interesting way that you didn't anticipate. That's what I like. You know, so... You know Finding Neverland is asks you like I, I'm not such a great fan of Peter Pan you know Finding Neverland is the story of how of Peter Pan the guy wrote Peter Pan but that, I don't care about Peter Pan Finding Neverland is a story about where do you find inspiration um, where do you find imagination and that's what the film asks and hopefully answers and along the way he writes Peter Pan
0: has there ever been an extraordinary film that you've seen that doesn't ask or answer a question
1: well Quentin movies fall into a whole nother bag of movie making because I don't even know what half the movies that he makes are about (laughs) I don't really know And usually i'm pretty good at the like when i teach i go name a movie and i'll tell you what it's about and i but if you do that with like pulp fiction it's a little difficult you know yes you can go you know it's a tale of loyalty and betrayal okay you know but it it with quentin movies it's significantly more difficult to do because it it isn't as the theme of the movie isn't as important as the the depth of character and goodies that they go through. So it's a different experience. It's a different, you go to a Quentin movie with different expect, or I do anyway, go with a different set of expectations.
0: Do you find movies that are directed by the writer to have a chance? of being better than ones that are directed by somebody who isn't the writer
1: i don't think it it i don't think that you can point to that films that are uh directed by the uh, that are written films that are directed by the writer are necessarily better or not um I think you can sometimes feel when it's a mess and there's been 10 writers. Uh, you know, that's the flip side. Um, but uh, I think some of the I, like, I often ask writer directors, if you had to choose, which one would you be? Like if you ask Paul Thomas Anderson or Quentin Tarantino or um, like James L. Brooks, which comes first? It's usually the writing but if they had to choose they'd be a director because they couldn't live without making the movie that's usually the answer but it's all about the script so i think that the great writer directors are seamless between writing and directing and i think that's the case with like paul thomas anderson and quentin is that they have created their story and then they put they take their writer hat off and then they direct the movie and they solve all of the problems and all come from a filmmaking directorial um, view. And that's why they're so good is that they were the writer and now they're the director. And I've made movies where the writer shows up to direct the movie but the director never showed up and the writer was there the whole time. And those movies don't work out very well because a writer is not a good director. A director has to be the director. But in the case of like Paul or Quentin, they are so equally skilled at all of it. that. But I can imagine that when, at least with Quentin, when he's directing, you forget that he's the writer. It's not because of the way he's working. It isn't studying the script. It isn't That part already happened. Now there are actors. Now there's a camera. I mean, I don't think he would ever direct something he didn't write. I don't think either of them would, but that's because they are so seamlessly the writer and the director, but at different times.
0: You've been in, let's say 25 premieres. You've been at 25 premieres where the movie has been cut, put together, is about to go in the theaters, and friends, family, people in the industry come, a thousand people sometimes to see your movie, and you're there. When the credits roll out of those 25 what percentage in your mind did you say to yourself this is going to do really really well what percentage did you say to yourself we're in deep shit here and how often were you right and how often were you wrong
1: i think when you're having the premiere you know whether the movie is going to work well or not before the audience responds. really well by the time you get to the premiere You've had test screenings. You've shown it to audiences. That's not your first blanch at seeing people watch your movie. When you go to a premiere, you already have reviews. You already, the premiere is not, I think, if you don't mind, a better question is when when you're kind of done with your movie or you've watched a cut of your movie and you go, and you kind of have a sense of what it's going to be, do you know if it's going to work or not? Because like, you have to go a little earlier than the premiere, you know too much at the premiere, you know how many theaters you're going to be in, you know you're released it, you know, you don't know
0: the, the reason why I asked that because not a year ago Sandler at, at the premiere and was so excited at the beginning of the premiere, and after the premiere, he was down, and he was like i don 't know barry i don 't know man
1: I think that's a bit of bullshit because you know the pre- first of all, a premiere is the most un um, normal audience reaction to your movie like there's half of it's like agents and friends like, it's not a real environment to test your movie when you take your movie into like Poughkeepsie and throw it up in a theater for 500 people uh, you know how people there you go you're crushed or you're elated
0: well I like your question better than mine so how would you answer your question
1: I, I think you have to have there's measures of success You know, and the box office has never been a huge measure of success to me. Like, that doesn't really tell you the whole thing. Um, Because there's the release date, there's the... You could be, like, this critical this, or you could... So, I think... You know, probably half... I think it's hard because it's it's your movie... So you're probably not the best judge of it Um, because inevitably like when you're you're sitting home like 10 years after the movie's been made and you're hanging out and you're flipping channels and all of a sudden you see one of your own movies pop up and you have to watch it for 10 minutes. Like if you're flipping around and you don't know what you're doing and one of your movies is on, you watch it for 10 minutes, 5 minutes, sometimes longer. Like sometimes like if it's good you might hang out for an hour. But you're going to spend five minutes, even with the crappy ones. And you watch them and you go, oh God, what were we thinking? All the time. Oh, why didn't we cut that out? (laughs) Oh, I remember that. That wouldn't be so easy. Why didn't we go from this to this? And really, we let her wear that? What were we thinking? (laughs) I'm like, oh God, that music cue was terrible. So I think you have to give the movie away. You know, like you make the movie, you pour your heart and soul into it. Is the movie what you wanted it to be? And some movies are definitely what you wanted them to be. And some movies are compromises and aren't, didn't come out the way that you had hoped they would come out. But it's a long process of getting to that point. And you usually know beforehand the making of the movie wasn't that much fun. Boy, this is painful. Yeah, I kind of like it, but mm, it's really flawed. Or I love every inch of this movie, and if anyone criticizes it, I'll kill them. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) 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 So you can have both because it's your baby. And sometimes you can see your baby clearly and sometimes not so much.
0: Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a -a one-of-a-kind, all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry I'll tell you all the stories all the philosophies give you all the great special guests and even give you one-on-one private consultations to help you expand enhance and skyrocket your comedy career just go to barrykatz.com and click on blueprint for success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that i've created just for you with it we can take your career so far that one day instead of listening to this podcast you'll be interviewed on it hey everybody and i wanted to thank some of the sponsors on the podcast starting with aqua true if you haven't bought this countertop water purification system You have to do so. It's incredible. It turns tap water into your favorite bottled water instantly. It saves you thousands and thousands of dollars. It gets rid of all those plastic bottles that you have in your trash. Thousands and thousands of listeners have bought these. Everybody loves it. Not one complaint. It's incredible. I haven't bought a bottle of water in years since I got this, and you won't either. And if you go right now to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, you'll immediately get a $100 discount. $100 discount and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. I guarantee it. Lastly, the Air Doctor. I don't know what the air inside your house is like, but the air inside my house It feels heavy at times before I got this product. And now it got rid of all the bad air in my house, the dust, the pet hair, the pollen. It just gets rid of all the contaminants circulating through your home. And for me, when I got this product, it was amazing the difference that I found in the air in my house. And it's normally $600. And you can check Amazon right now and you'll see. But for all of you listening Today, I can offer you $300 off. $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com and type in the promo code Barry. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry, and save $300 and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world four, One. One. Three. 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 five, six. six. Six degrees of separation. All right, six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. Tell me what comes to your mind. Bruce Willis. Man. Tim Roth.
1: Brilliant. Uma Thurman. Um, strikingly bold. Like she just is who she is and she is a presence uh, and a great strength of person. Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, it, it, he's one of the most sort of entertainingly distinct. When we were doing the Hateful Eight, I said to him he was had just done one of these great long monologues and he came out and i was sitting outside and and i i i just said look as a fan like to watch you do that was so satisfying to me that that long like two page you know it was like 3 minutes of i go i'm so satisfied having just watched you do that i i can't thank you enough like, i just loved watching you do that and thank you and he goes oh he goes wait till Thursday when I get to do and he did this the three pager from that he's gonna have to do in a week right in my face Wow Wow. and without missing a beat and it was one of the I was practically crying because you just watched a master performer and he loved it he just loved that he knows it and he loves doing it and so he just loved doing it and he didn't care like okay this is for the camera and will be for all time in the movie or I'm doing it like in the backyard sitting on a picnic table it didn't matter he loved it and you saw that
0: Matt Damon
1: so smart and very um, dedicated and just like a good, normal person. Mickey Rourke. Whack a donut. <laughs> <laughs> but a really emotional, um, wounded guy who's had a kind of a three lives in one and has gone through all sorts of craziness in his life and has more life lived more life than almost anyone i know and wears it and uh, lives it and feels it and it comes out of him and actually a really good guy harvey Keitel. harvey Keitel was one of the first um sort of like movie stars that i ever met and we became friends he was at my wedding you know about 25 years ago whatever that was and um, uh, was my first kind of um, actor that I became friends with and got to know and worked with and it taught me a lot and was a great kind of a presence in my life for a really long time Johnny Depp just extraordinary guy you know that when we did Neverland you know the the movie relies on the audience looking behind the eyes of this guy and wondering what's going on in his head that's the whole movie like you zoom in on him and you go what is he thinking and then we dramatize shit that he's thinking or imagining and and So you have to cast an actor who you want to know what is going on in their brain. And there were some actors where you go, you know, when you pull in and you push into that guy, I don't really want to know what's going on in there. It's not that interesting to me. And with Johnny, you want to know what's going on. Like there's always, I always find there's great, uh, uh, when you're casting somebody, like you have to ask yourself a certain question. Like I remember with, with the Cider House Rules, the Michael Caine part is like this guy is a gynecologist in the movie. So you have to ask would you like this guy to be your gynecologist? So you go so you're trying to cast the role of Michael Caine you go like okay well how about, I remember someone said well how about we, how about we cast um, you know Robert De Niro. I think Robert De Niro is brilliant. I'd like to make any movie with Robert De Niro. I don't know if you really want Robert De Niro as your gynecologist. Like that's not the most comforting concept is Robert De Niro's going to be, your, you, there's a lot of other things you'd like Robert De Niro to be in your life. You probably don't really want him to be a gynecologist. Ving Rhames. He was like a, just a powerhouse. You know, just a, you hear that voice and the guy was just, like, who is this guy? Where did this guy come from? Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman is one of the most um, generous, um, authentic Um, gifted, kind, dedicated human beings I've ever met. And um, is such a touching soul that um, there are few that are as um, kind and warm and generous as he is. Mark Forster. Um, He's a wonderfully... Gentle, human, um, uh, fun, loyal, good guy. Lassa Hallstrom. Is the, uh, for me, the the movie that I made that I, or that I was involved with making that is the most personal to me is The Sider House Rules. And that's largely because of the process of having worked on the script for so long and then finding Lassa to direct it and being how what a great just collaborative partner he was um and just a great guy just funny warm and i think like quentin in a way like directing is just what he needs to do with his life like this is what he was born to do and is so skilled at it sean penn um uh sean penn i've made several movies with him um Uh, Hurley Burley, which he was in, and we kind of pretty much produced together, I would say. Um, Though he didn't take the credit, he should have. And I was a producer of The Crossing Guard, which he directed. And uh, he just is uh, a brilliant human being and a kind, um, funny, crazy, distinct... He is who he is, and he's a wonderfully brilliant guy. Diane Lane. Diane Lane is one of the most charismatic, wonderful, genuine... Well, I feel like I only have good things to say about people. Um, uh, great. Just lovely human being.
0: Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever.
1: Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein's a very complicated character Um, and uh, is a, was a very large part of my life. He was my boss for a long time and uh, I worked for him for a long time and then I also made a lot of movies with him that he financed um, and a very complicated guy who obviously has demons and I always knew he had demons you know, he's, I always knew and saw that he was you know quite capable of quite dastardly deeds um just in general kind of business um acumen, and knew that um you know he was a very rough customer, but I now come to know that I you know didn't know the half of it, and that's a very uh very troubling thing to know that someone that you were around this much and who again, as I said, like you knew was you know not on the up and up in a lot of ways um and was capable of, you know, causing a lot of damage. I didn't know the half of it. And that's, um, and obviously he, he caused considerably more damage, I think, than, than I knew, but that a lot of people knew that he was capable of. Your proudest moment in show business? Well, I'd like to think I haven't had that yet. But I think, I think making the Cider House Rules was probably, for me, one of the most satisfying Experiences because I, you know, found the story and nurtured it with John Irving, the writer of the novel, who wrote the screenplay. We spent years, five years together, working. You know, thirty-five drafts of that screenplay. And creating this movie. It, the movie is exactly what I hoped it would be. And it looks and feels and exists exactly this dream that I had. Like that, it just happened. Like I wanted to tell this story. We got the right amount of money, the right director, the right actors, the right composer, the right edit. I look at that movie and I feel, you know, like I said before, like if you produced The Hateful Eight or I did, the movie would be the same thing. And that's not saying I didn't work hard and contribute, but your role is not, like it's not really reflected in what the movie you're watching is. It's other things that, in the way that you supported Quentin to make the movie. The Cider House was, I don't think the movie wouldn't exist and if I hadn't done what I did. And so you feel a greater sense of, again, ownership, I gotta come up with a different word, a greater sense of what, how you contributed to that movie. And so it that and Neverland are movies that uh, you just nurture from the from its inception from its embryo to its you know poster in the theater
0: your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level
1: um I think right now I'm trying to kind of figure out what is a kind of a next chapter, if you will, like a kind of a third act, if you will. And um, I'm in the midst of uh, creating a new film school in China, in Beijing. And there's a company called Mountaintop, which is a very, very successful talent and management agency in um, Beijing. And I'm working with them to create this new school in Beijing and I'm really excited about it it's gonna be not a not a school that offers degrees not a bachelor's degree or a master's degree but will be like four to six month really intensive workshops that culminate in the making of a short film and uh, I'm really excited about creating that school from nothing we're just working it out now and um, that's really exciting And so I'm trying to figure out how to do that and do it well and whatever else I do. I don't know.
0: So your biggest disappointment is where you perceive Whether it was a month ago a year ago or whatever (laughs) it is was the end of certain chapter that you felt for yourself and now that fueled you to open the thing the school in Beijing But there always has to be something that happens that's bone crushing that sort of you have to get over and get to the next level you didn't have anything like that
1: i think you know the the bone crushing i don't know but soul searching um and is i love making movies
0: like there was never a movie where you
1: killed yourself
0: putting it together and it comes out and you ask somebody did you see the movie and they say oh i
1: was busy that day oh you have a million of those i think more is is i'm in a place where i have to figure out kind of career wise you know feature films the kind of movies that i've made that i like the most these kind of like 20 million dollar dramas like the cider house rules and neverland those movies are not being made today or they're being made as television series. And um, so navigating this sort of transition that this kind of world of independent filmmaking is now, you know, Netflix and Amazon and stuff. So I have a, a couple TV things that I'm trying to do um, that uh, are adapting to that world, if you will. But it's also, I think, a time to figure out like what, do I want to just go produce another movie or TV? I don't really want to. I'm not desperate to do that. What I am trying to figure out is how to create a different sort of legacy, likely in film education, that is a more lasting, bigger thing than making a movie.
0: Got it. Last question. What advice do you have for the young person growing up in the Bronx really doesn't have an idea of what they're supposed to do or their place in life and... They navigate through, they get into school, and they figure out it's this business. And How do they go about having the kind of extraordinary career that you're having? And then as a part two, you can do it before or after. You've seen so many incredible actors and directors and writers. Also, I think it would be nice to know what advice do you have for the young
1: people in those genres as well to get to the next level I think in a way the answer is the same for both of these which is that um, filmmaking is an art and a craft that you learn and by reading a lot of stories by developing your own taste by um, creating your own stories by having confidence in your own point of view is I think what people need to have and I think like filmmaking is not about like where you put the camera and like this great shot or uh, like y- you have to be a storyteller that is bigger than the shot or the camera or the lens or the whether you're on Netflix or you're in theater like all that shit doesn't matter and I think One has to develop, expose yourself to literature, movies, art, read, study, and over the course of time, you will develop your own distinct voice. And then you apply that voice. That's what it's all about. And there's no shortcuts. There just aren't, they don't exist. and. You know, you hear all the time, well, God, I'm a, like, I, I want to direct a movie and I and it was like, you know, every director that you like or you don't like, they were a first time director once. Like, it actually does happen. It's like your virginity. You're going to lose your virginity. It's going to happen. Right. Some people, it happens at 15. Some people, it happens at 25. And like every director was a first time director. Every writer was a first-time. Every producer was a first-time producer. Like, so when you think it's not going to happen, you realize that it has happened for every one of those people. They lost their virginity at some point. So like, just keep working and you'll lose your virginity. You'll be fine.
0: This has been amazing. Thank you
1: so, so You're much. You're really good at this. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I don't sit around thinking about myself in my movies very often. So it's a, you took me down a nice memory lane and happy to share with you and whoever might be listening. Thanks for the inspiration. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message. And one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend... A podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions or else if they're out of town, out of state or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Sky Girl, BC, August 8th, 2019. Heading reads an experience five stars. They wrote, felt like an experience listening, really teaching me a lot about the industry, even in just one episode. Thank you so much, Sky Girl BC. You are a winner. And that wraps up our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry and start enjoying the best, And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life and instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Caitlyn Jenner. You have to live your life with a happy soul, you know? and that's really hard to do sometimes and whatever your stuff may be it could be drinking alcohol whatever you know Every the time you do something like that it affects a lot of people and uh, do your best to live your life authentically i mean it's it's the only way to go as always this has been industry standard with me barry katz and if you like the show tell all your friends and if you don't like the show tell all your friends
1: you get all the money, drive that fancy car, all the people love you. Cause you're going for life is for the dreamer. They have all to gain, it's never quite over. So it all feels the same. You pick your own. Poison, dig your own grave down in the valley. A fortune.
0: Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it,
1: even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.